0: Welcome to the Crackpots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca.
1: And I'm um, Pastor Chad.
0: So I got to preach on Esther, and you got to preach on
1: John Pop- the Baptist. Vipers. I didn't actually I didn't I didn't even do Brood of Vipers. I didn't even go there. Really? I wasn't in a brood of vipers kind of mood.
0: Okay. Well, that's fair.
1: I went on a I went on a repentance um mainly focused on repentance and um, sort of the the fact that we do the, there's like three parts, right? Confession, forgiveness, repentance, and we come to church every Sunday, well, every Sunday we're in church, we do the confession part, and as pastors we give the absolution, which is the forgiveness part, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then what happens?
0: Yeah, do we go out and actually repent and, and, and right. change how we, we Right. So it's for? like
1: it's like okay, so if you if you're showing up every Sunday and confessing the same thing, right? Like you're forgiven. Like we're like that's that's the cross and, and there's that forgiveness piece that still holds true, but really the the goal is to not show up every Sunday and confess the same thing. Yeah, there
0: should that, be some, some changed life right, that element. You're,
1: that you're working towards. And, and I think in some instances, you know, it's, um, it's like turning a fiat. You, know, you can make that U-turn at, at an intersection. Oh, you know what? I, I did this. Oh, man, I'm not doing that again. And you learn and boom, you move. I think there's other issues that we, that we all deal with. Um, on some level, that is more like turning the Titanic um, without the icebergs, or maybe with the icebergs, and you know where you're not going to just do that quick U-turn. It takes a while to make that U-turn. So, like in my mind, like addiction is one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if you're confessing, showing up in worship, and confessing an addiction, whatever that addiction is, the chances that boom you're going to make that quick U-turn. In a fiat at an intersection is is probably maybe not accurate. It's a long process, and and I would argue it's an ongoing, never-ending process when it, when we're talking addiction. So that that idea of repentance isn't always just an immediate turn. I wish it was. I think we all wish we could just snap our fingers and and fix whatever you know whatever we're we're, we're confessing, but. In many cases, it's it's not that quick turn. It's a it's a slow and laborious process. So that was that was more my focus than than brood of vipers. I was preaching at at tradition um, for covering for Pastor Marianne, and I didn't I didn't feel like rolling in there and brood of vipering everybody was <laughs> was the direction I I felt. Moved. So
0: I got asked Esther, yeah. which so we did our women of scripture over the summer. We skipped Esther because I knew we were going to cover her in the narrative lectionary. Um, but it, it's hard when we're, you know, we're doing these stories and all we get is this one passage and you kind of have to go back and sort of tell the whole story of, of what led up to, to this. <laughs> Um, not just historically speaking, from the standpoint of how do they wind up in the Persian Empire in the royal city of Susa? I had some lovely maps for one of our um, parishioners who loves maps, and she was so excited when I texted her and told her I was going to have a map in um, uh, in our uh, in my sermon. So she got she got very excited over that, and <laughs> and. Then to give the, also kind of the background of Esther herself and how she wound up queen, which is a fun story um, when you consider basically she was the replacement for another queen who lost her position because she refused to parade in front, around in front of the king and his drunken buddies. Um, which in Jewish tradition holds that when he says she needs to come parade around in her crown, it meant her crown and only her crown. Um, and shockingly, she thought this was a bad idea and wasn't going to do it. And that chapter one ends with the men, you know, all going, each man needs to be the master of his own house, um, you know kind of part of why she gets tossed aside is because his buddies are like, "Well, if you can't control your woman and you're the king, how do you think the rest of us are going to be able to do that?" And I it, it, and it's one of those things where it's it's serious because that actually is the way that so many people, cultures, etc, behave. And yet, the book of Esther is in Jewish tradition supposed to be read as a comedy. So this is like satire. This is like making fun of that in the Bible. The problem is you get your literalists who think that that's actually like the right way to behave.
1: <laughs> I mean, I find I found it pretty funny. Uh-huh. Just in, in re- real life experience, like, really? <laughs> Good luck with that.
0: <laughs> Being the master of your own house, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, I mean, but there's a whole. Let me tell you, there's a whole group of people, and especially men out there who who that's that that's the theology.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's like I said, I just I find it intriguing that it's supposed to be read as a comedy, and it's supposed to be making fun of that.
1: I mean, it's crap theology, but it's. Right.
0: But yeah. (laughs) So then there's this interesting reversal. And and again, you know, so what does he do? He goes and gets a bunch of um, uh, virgins that he rounds up as part of a harem, and then each night sleeps with one of them. And finally decides that Esther's the one who quote, pleases him, which I have all kinds of red flags that go, go up when, when I hear language like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a variety <sighs> of reasons.
1: I'm, I'm, ju- I'm, I'm just not gonna say anything.
0: I, well, I mean, it's, it's groomer language, it's, it's, it's awful. It's you know oh you please me so it just it's gross. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, and I mean that's not where I was going with it, but okay, well, I, I mean, it, I don't know, never mind. I'm just, my just better keep your mouth shut. Yeah, my better angels and filter are. Um...
0: <laughs> well, from from my perspective, I mean, I, I can guess probably where you're going as well, but I mean, it's it's abusive language. I mean, pleasing
1: your partner is not abusive language.
0: No, it's not. But in this context where you have this huge power differential. Correct. um, It comes off to me as just extremely abusive language. Of Well, you please me, therefore. Um, Because, I mean, she doesn't have a whole lot of... uh, Even though she becomes the queen, she clearly is still very subject to uh, the king's whims. I mean, Vashti proved that, you know, you don't do what he says and boom, you're gone. And when Mordecai comes to her, you know, saying, look, you need to use your position to do this. And she's like, well, what, what makes you think I (laughs) can get away with this any more than anybody else? If I go to him unbidden, you know, I, I, risk the same problem i i I risk being killed just like anybody else um and clearly this is a king who did not like being told no did not like being told he couldn't do something did not like being told um or you know having someone defy his wishes
1: yeah i mean that's sort of position of power 101
0: he did not like somebody defying his wishes, which was what she was about to do yeah. by going into, you know, it was, it was violating his law that no one was allowed to do this. Um, now, to his credit, he chooses to extend the, the golden staff rod, whatever you call it, towards her so that...
1: There's she, a lot of euphemisms in this text. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying...
0: Uh, and allows her to speak and doesn't kill her and you know says he will give her whatever she wants Um, and that leads to of course then over the course of I love how this like kind of it's it's long drawn-out scenario of well I'll tell you what I want over dinner Um, and you have to invite uh, this this guy Heyman who's in your court Um, To come, and you know, and and it's like over the course of these two different dinners, that she eventually reveals that um, Haman was trying to kill the Jewish people and commit genocide against them, which brings us to kind of this other issue we have going on right now in our society, which is anti-Semitism.
1: It's back as if well, it didn't ever really leave it it never
0: left it just kind of
1: it's 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 kind of one of the it's like racism has just kind of bubbled to the surface again in more overt ways than right it used to it's uh it's cool again for that group, you know what i mean so for for anti semites it's it's cool again to be public about it and not uh keeping it, it. It's yeah. acceptable to
0: be, it's becoming acceptable to be in certain circles.
1: And, and just for clarification, it, there's nothing cool about it, in, no. in, in my view. But in those circles, it's like, hey, this is awesome. We don't have to hide it anymore. Right. It's like, really? Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Very, very revealing. <laughs> um, or as I like to say, very apocalyptic. Um, just because that's what the word apocalypse means is to reveal. So, anyway, um, when yeah, we're looking at the fact that that you know in our own society, our own culture, we're seeing once again kind of the the scapegoating of a particular group of people, and when you look through you know throughout history of anti-Semitism and you see it present, you see it present in scripture from the standpoint of obviously the story of Esther is a story of it um, but I mean if you kind of even keep going back where it's like okay so you have the Babylonians that, that destroy them and take them into, into exile and the Persians take them over and somebody wants to eradicate them there. And then you have, um, once they get back into their land, then the Romans destroy them or attempt to and scatter them all over the place. And then you go through about 2,000 years' worth of Christian empire that is constantly trying to eradicate uh, Judaism in little pockets here and there and, you know... um, you get the, uh, the Inquisition, you get the, I mean, just all kinds of, of places throughout Europe especially where they, they try to eradicate the, the Jewish presence. Um, and even Luther was not um, really awesome when it came to his view on the Jewish people. It was, it was bad. Um,
1: yeah, one of my seminary professors, I don't know if the book ever got published um, wrote, was writing a book um, and having trouble getting it published um, in Lutheran circles that really took um, Luther to task on his, his stance on the Jews.
0: As it should. Yeah. I would actually like to see if he uh, got that published. because She. I'm sorry, she.
1: Actually, actually I believe it was uh, both of them, husband and wife, I think they were working on it together.
0: Do I know this couple by any chance? I
1: don't know. I don't think okay. so. Okay, so it's not
0: the, the the clergy couple that we're both familiar with. New. No. no. Okay. Okay. Um, I uh, also, when you start kind of, of looking at this and thinking about this... Um, I mean, yeah, you've got, you, you've got Luther who, who, who did these things, and of course that gets used leading us up to the Holocaust. And what I find so very interesting when I talk with or I listen to some of my um, Jewish brothers and sisters, you know, if they're rabbis or whatever, and they're like, look, this is this is something we have been living with our whole, you know, for forever. And they start kind of pointing out all of the places in society that this, this has been a reality for them. And I think because when you're Christian, living in a Christian culture, you don't necessarily see it because it's not your lived reality. It's kind of like racism where, well, if I'm not... I'm not black or brown or whatever, I don't see it because I'm not the one experiencing it. Yep. And I think the same really does go for um, anti-Semitism. And
1: well, I think I think that's I think it's one of our issues in society. Um, if I don't experience it or I don't know of it personally, it, it doesn't exist. Right. And and I to some degree i understand in a in a sense of if i'm not willing to do any research or listen then i, I get it like it, it's not part of your world like for me if i don't choose to if i don't if i don't i don't experience racism I'm a straight white dude. Like I don't experience racism. If I don't seek out, look at information, speak to people who have been the victims of racism, why would I know it exists? Right. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't yeah. seek out, you know, say with anti-Semitism. I've never experienced it.
0: Well, and it's been very interesting to, like I said, to listen to some of my, my, my friends who are, who, who are Jewish um, explaining even where some of the stereotypes come from. That a lot of the stereotypes were basically forced upon them because that was their means of survival. So they're like, yeah, we became bankers. You want to know why? because we weren't allowed to own land and money was fluid and it was a it was something that we could exchange and could when we had to flee we could take it with us so why why are there so many jewish people in the money in the banking industry well because you made it so we had to be right and you know it's it, it it's it's kind of a it's kind of fascinating to learn that history and then to, you know, be like, oh, that's okay. So we get these stereotypes that we use as pejoratives, and it's like, oh, but gee, those stereotypes were created because we forced them into that as, as Christians um, who, you know, were part of an empire that would frequently... Uh, just strip them of all their rights and all of their land and, and things like that and that's how they survived was they found other ways and now, and then we turn around and use it as some kind of um, wacky stereotype and then you get all the fun little conspiracy theories and stuff like that of you know oh well they're, they're behind all the money systems in the world and blah 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 and all this other stuff um, and it's it's like i said i I find it fascinating to listen to and to learn, and I think we need to do more of that. We need we, to do a lot more listening and learning
1: yeah right a- absolutely and 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 maybe um part of that listening and learning we should um, acknowledge the fact that. Many of the conspiracy theories are insanely ridiculous. And any kind, of, any kind of genuine research into the matter will debunk 90% of them.
0: Yeah. Um, well, what I find hilarious is so, so the Jewish population makes up 2%. 2% of the population in the world. And yet somehow people have it in their heads that the Jewish people are somehow controlling everything. And I'm like, I, I, I really don't think that's a thing. <laughs> they just don't have the mass <laughs> um, in terms of... of power to be able to do that. <laughs> they, they don't have enough people to um, accomplish, I think, a lot of the things that they get accused of, of in, in those terms alone. It's kind of like, this is so ridiculous. It's, it's, this is not how this works.
1: Yeah, but Kanye said.
0: Oh, I don't even.
1: Actually, is that Kanye anymore? Yay. Is... It's just—is it ye? Is it yeah, I don't Ye? So, I don't
0: know. Whatever.
1: I, he, he's, uh, I, I. So what? What? What is kind of interesting to me, in the realm of conspiracy theories, right? Like, the group that is now touting, Yi, ye, ye, Kanye, whatever the heck his name is, <laughs> the group that is now like, hey, we should listen to Kanye. Would have never in a million years given Kanye the time of day when right. when he was um, black rap artist only. Now that he's anti Semitic, oh, we should he's listen to Kanye and I'm like really.
0: So, so so tell me how that fascinates me. Tell me how a a um, a a. Um, not what? What am I looking for? A um, oh no, a, not a marriage. A um, when you come together, a partnership kind of okay. thing. I don't know what that. There's a word I'm looking for, and I can't think of it because my brain doesn't work in the mornings. Um, but so you have this this kind of partnership right now between Kanye and Nick Fuentes, who is this really radical white supremacist. Guy who thinks we need a dictatorship in the United States um, to force a his words, not mine, to force a Catholic Taliban on everybody, so that we force them to believe what he believes. So he's a white supremacist. Like
1: is he like is he like the Christ- Richard is he like the new flavor Richard Spencer?
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> like worse. Believe it or not. I didn't know that was possible, but I actually think he is. He's this, this Christian nationalist. Um, Ass hat. Yeah. Partnering with Kanye. Now think about this white supremacist, partnering with Kanye because they're both anti Semitic.
1: Well, I mean, it's a, good, it's a good cover, right? Well, I can't be anti Semitic. I'm working with Kanye. It, it, it's the equivalent of... You, you know, of
0: I can't be racist. It's the
1: equivalent of I have a black friend. Yeah. I, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Or I'm not racist. I voted for Obama. Or, yeah. you know, all of those. It's like, really? Yeah. You're not racist because you have a black Facebook friend that you never talk to.
0: Right. Um, yeah, so...
1: I, had, I have... a. How much... Yeah, ah, That's <laughs> great. I have, I, have, I have a baseball coach. Former baseball coach who oh, yeah, I'm really sure is not listening to my podcast. Maybe he is I don't know. Um, that was just blatantly throwing racist stuff all over Facebook, um, for which I frequently called him out on, um, and he was he gave the equivalent of well I have a black I have black friends, um, and yet could not actually point to any of them in real life <laughs> and like uh okay right yeah. I, that that kind of stuff that and listen I I grew up in like Whitesville like I, there were there were almost no people of color in my high school um there were a few um,
0: and and so so
1: I so I I mean I I understand that my my experience with black culture growing up was minimal um because I wasn't exposed to it and and it and and the ways I was exposed to it were were frankly racist um you know my my grandfather lived next door to us or with us depending you know on the time I remember growing up you know like we my grandfather lived in the apartment next to us and we would bet we would he would get the football tickets to bet on foot to bet on football, and yes, in elementary school, I was gambling on football. consider that <sighs> a confession right the so horror. so I remember going over and him and I would discuss you know who what teams we were going to pick in this football ticket, and I explicitly remember him saying, "Never bet on a black quarterback except he didn't use the word black
0: uh-huh right
1: and like that, like that stuck with me, and I never, like, I never understood why. I never, I mean, I know now, but I never quite understood why. So I mean, I mean, that that was kind of like the world I grew up in, you know. Don't bet on a black quarterback. Well, uh, uh, now, if you if you watch football now, it's a it's 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 different than what it it was, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know. In that time period, growing up there, there, frankly, there weren't very many black quarterbacks, period. Right. Um, so it was just, like, that was the world I grew up in. And we, in, in fact, the, the team that I played baseball for after college was part of an athletic club. It was called the Viking Athletic Association in York, Pennsylvania. Feel free to send them messages um, and letters. Um, I had no clue, you know, we would go there after games and you know, they had a restaurant upstairs and they had a, a stag bar downstairs, um, cheap alcohol and, 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 and stuff like that. So after games, we would, if we didn't drink, if we didn't have a beer in the parking lot after a game, we would go to the club. It never occurred to me that I never saw a person of color in that club, ever. Then one season before the season started, we, um, had a new, a new guy come in and was practicing with us before the season. And we got a couple weeks into, the, before the season started, the kid was good, great, really nice guy, um, pretty good ball player. And the coach pulled me and another friend of mine aside, um, as a sort of captain's leaders of the team. And he said, we have a problem. I said, well, what's the problem? He said, um, People who play on the tee, when if they're twenty-one, their ex- you know, ex- expectation is kind of they, they join the club. I said, okay, what's the problem? He said, Collins Black, he can't join the club. I said, we mean Collins Black can't join the club, and he was like, the club doesn't allow black members. Yep. So I'm like, damn. So th- so this this is this is a this is a confession on my end, so my, our way of dealing with it was to go and talk to Colin and say, listen, this is the situation. I want you to know that this is the situation. So I I wasn't, I I knew I wasn't comfortable in, I knew I wasn't comfortable in saying, hey, you're about to join a team with a bunch that, that has basically a racist stance. The, from, from the club that sponsors our team.
0: Right.
1: So we told him, but what I didn't do, and it, I, I kicked myself in the ass, I didn't take that next step.
0: And How go old were th-
1: you? when And go to the club. I was 20, early 20s.
0: Well.
1: Right, like early, but I mean yeah, now. No,
0: I mean, I get it. it now. It's, yeah, um, now you would, you would take the next step, but back then, I mean.
1: Absolutely, back then I'm like, I, I I was still try. I was like still. I'm like this. This is
0: yeah. No, frankly, you're you're still being bombarded with. I'm, stuff. I'm like
1: this is this is crap. Like this yeah. is not okay.
0: Yeah, you're you're like I, I knew You're that still part, being bombarded with the realities. But of I didn't stuff have didn't get growing up.
1: I didn't have that that activist brain.
0: Right. I was like, okay,
1: I know this is not right from a human perspective, and I want to make sure that Colin is okay. We didn't take the next step. Right. What I did do.
0: And and if. Y- and if people are wondering why, if they listen to this podcast regularly, we cover this topic a lot. Yeah, because it's prevalent. And if they're wondering why, the reason is because it is becoming so prevalent and yep. has been. It's yep. just one of those things where we have not, the church has failed to address it. It's, it's, it was in its 20s. Yep. It's,
1: so, yeah. So fast forward... I, I, not long after I stopped playing baseball, I, am like I'm 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 not I'm giving up membership. I'm not I'm not doing that. That's crap. Fast forward, a member of my family. Um, I, w- I wouldn't I, I don't know enough to know whether or not where racism was in his in his world. Um, he became police chief in the area. And and we know the association many times with the police and, and the black, black, black community. Um, through all of the racial tension, he ended up getting connected to the black clergy association in, in back home. Now this is someone who, again, I, I don't, I don't know that I would call him racist. I have no idea but definitely is not someone who I would expect to advocate for the black community. In a profession where police don't often advocate for the black community, gets associated with the black clergy group and conversations around racial racial justice and policing. And the two clubs back home that perpetuate that racism he was, member, he was a member of and immediately after conversations with them withdrew his membership. Again, didn't take the next step but also said I'm not participating in that and I think, I think there's, I think, so I think there's, there's really, there's two angles on this, on the, these social justice things, right? So we can say, listen, I'm going to remove myself from that. I'm not going to be a part of it. And I think that's an important step, right? Because you join those clubs and, and, and there, or any any institution, you join those organizations and, and the money that you support, the money that you give to support those organizations allows them to continue. So removing yourself is, is a step. Right. The next step is, let's take that shit down. Yeah. Tear it down. That's not okay. So my mom, I love you, mom. You're wrong. My mom, they <laughs> they, they they went to dinner. That to that, that a member of our family is still a member of that one particular club. Hey, it's cheap food. It's good food. Well, I, I really care. It's racist food. They said, oh, we're going, we're going there for dinner. I said, you got to stop. Like that. Like there's plenty of places to eat.
0: Right. Like I On know the that y'all. With good food. I
1: know that y'all go there because the food's reasonably good and it's and it's it's cheap. But that's bullshit. And I probably swore it way too much in this podcast. But hey, you know, I, you know the the reality is like you continue to perpetuate those systems, and it's one of those things. Like mom, like like when they you, face
0: no consequences for what they're doing. They're not going to change. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the reality. Um, kind of gets back to your <laughs> your repentance thing that you were preaching on, <laughs> right? Right. It's <laughs> there it's, are no consequences. What's the what's the motivation?
1: You know, it's it's literally for me. It would have been showing up. You know, I didn't even I wasn't even going to church like at that point in my life. You know, it's it would literally have been you know playing baseball. You know, three to four nights a week for that club, and then coming to church and confessing. The sin of racism, and then back out and and doing the same thing the next week, and coming back again and confessing it, and then doing the same thing, and and just being stuck in that cycle and not breaking it. Which repentance is breaking that cycle, mm-hmm. um, and and even you know I, we were talking about addiction earlier. You know, addiction is one of those things that. You know, you may end up back in that cycle, right? If we're being honest, that's the way addiction works. You may end up back in that cycle, but you keep working to get out of that cycle. You know, racism, same thing. You know, there's racism all over the place. We don't want to admit it. Oh, racism is a... Re- yeah, it is. You, know, and you and I have had people come into our office and say, well, why are you talking about racism? It's an issue. And then, you go, know, oh, look, the, the lovely kids, the, the good kids at Hidden Oaks Middle School. Oh, hey, that's the N-word. Also, wow. Maybe we have a problem in our community, right? Duh. You know, but, we have and, and we have a city council person that that puts up the the chimpanzee smoking a cigarette, referring to you know East Stewart.
0: I think the disconnect for a lot of people when we talk about racism, when we're in the pulpit, when we're you know whatever, is from their perspective what they hear is. Um, you're calling me a racist, and I'm I'm not that, and so therefore, um, it really isn't a problem that you need to be addressing with us. And I, I mean, I think that that was one of the arguments I heard was, you know, well, we're we're not the ones doing this, so why are you saying this to us?
1: I didn't own slaves.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: Right. I didn't and
0: notice. it's like, well, because we have actually perpetuated these these thoughts and ideas, especially in the Lutheran Church, um, whitest denomination. <laughs> we're what ninety six percent, something like that.
1: Over ninety five. Yeah. May have changed, but. Yeah. In the nineties. Yeah, we're. And we're, not the decade. We're in the mid.
0: We're in the mid. Uh, you know, mid, somewhere in the mid mid nineties of percentage of of. Um, culturally that's that's how we are and we and we have had a dismal past in terms of addressing those issues and it's part of what has led to the problems we're seeing now when we do address it because people were accustomed to not having that challenge they were not having having to be challenged in that realm they immediately now view it as a political issue as opposed to a justice issue yeah a justice issue and therefore they don't want to hear it and it's it was a failure for many 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 i'm just going to even say many generations
1: oh yeah um and part and part of that challenge is that the church was not a place to challenge people. Right. You know, there there there's there's been a a decades long sort of history of the church our church, not Emmanuel but the Lutheran church in particular and I'd say white church in general there's been a culture of don't make me uncomfortable, just make me feel good. Right. And and and, and I get it like
0: I get it when you're hurting and you're you're in need of hearing good news you know you're you're in need of hearing something positive and you may not necessarily get that if you're hearing something about all the injustices in the world uh, <laughs> that that we might be addressing in in a sermon. you may not be hearing the the thing that makes you feel good and so, I, I mean, I understand that. You know, sometimes there, there are people when they come to church, it's like I, I, I needed to hear the thing that was going to make me feel better about whatever situation I have going on in my life that I as a preacher am not aware is going on in X, Y, and Z's, you know, life. They, they come, though, expecting that's what, what they are hoping, that's what they're going to hear. And, um, you know, when we begin... Preaching about things that, that are like, hey, you know, we, we have some problems in our society with X, Y, and Z. These are systemic problems, blah, blah, blah. We need to do better. Um, because, you know, Jesus came as somebody who who freed the oppressed, who that that was his, you know, that's actually your upcoming text this week the isaiah 42
1: cool can't wait i haven't even read it yet yeah that's not true i read the text
0: yeah but but i mean it's the it's been a week already it's the one you know i've appointed him you know to to free the prisoners blah 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 you know it's the um thing that jesus picks up and says hey this is who i am (laughs) i'm this person um who is here to free the oppressed and, and free, the, free the prisoners and be a light to, you know, blah blah to the nations etc.
1: Cool. I can't wait. I I read the text.
0: Well, that's in the text. Um, yeah. and It's yeah, been a week. It's I know.
1: And it's only Wednesday. I know. Today's going to be a week.
0: Although for me it's technically Thursday because I take Fridays off. Blah blah blah. um but
1: I might I actually I might take Friday off too
0: yeah you had to work on Monday um I'm here Friday yeah so but I mean it's one of those things where I get it where people are are like why are you know this this is not what we used to talk about this is not stuff we used to address so why are we suddenly doing this so I get kind of the the. What's with back? this new
1: age Bible preaching stuff?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I get I, I get some of. We're the...
1: using the same book that's been around for forever.
0: Yeah. Well, not forever, but I know a couple of them, you know. Practically, <laughs> about two thousand years ish. That's forever. Um. But yeah, no, you get. I, 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 I understand people's discomfort. I understand people who are like, this is not what I thought. Well, to be blunt, this is not what I thought the gospel was. Yeah. And because we, we really pushed and relegated the gospel to being one thing and one thing only. Um, resurrection and forgiveness kind of thing, you know, afterlife, being saved. And we, I think part of what kind of shifted that narrative for me, believe it or not, was when I was teaching world religions. And I had a student just flat out ask me, so what is the good news? I don't get it. And I started my my normal spiel of, you know, resurrection and new life. And then then I sat there and I looked at them for a minute and I was like, that isn't what motivates them. That isn't, to, to them they're like, so if I have a really bad kind of crappy life and you're telling me, yay, I get to be resurrected and live like that forever, that's not good news to me. Yeah. there has to be some other elements involved and it's that liberation element it's the it's the liberation from all the other garbage that's going on so for not addressing the garbage people don't hear the good news as good news necessarily does that make sense
1: yep perfect
0: um because they're like well i really don't want there are people who do not want the world to continue on as it is <laughs> because it's bad for them. Um, and they, they, they do not experience it the way, say, you or I do. Um, and they're like, these, these are not things I want to see continuing. So when you get Jesus' message of I've come to kind of upend things, that becomes good news to a different group of people.
1: That's, that's the key, right? That's the key to scripture. Right. It's good news for whom? And there's part of it that's going to be good news for you and I. There's part of it that that isn't going to be good news for you and I, but the stuff that isn't good news for you and me is absolutely good news for somebody else. The stuff that is is, is good news for us is not good news for someone else. Yeah.
0: I, and I we ain't all, all the
1: same, and we're not all the same. Haven't lived, don't have the same life experience and lived lived reality.
0: Yeah, I think it all kind of comes back to, at least for me, when when you're um, when I think about this, you know, sort of the leveling, so to speak, of you know what are you focusing on? And First Corinthians, Paul I think addresses it when he's talking about you know what you're teaching. And the teachers and, and, and things like that. And he says, look, if you're building on this, this is going to stand up. But if you're building on this, it's going to be burned up. And, yeah, you're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to get through. You know, you're going to be, quote, saved. But you're going to experience a lot of loss in that process of salvation. Yeah. And I think that's the part that we don't address at all. All we wanna all we want to highlight is the 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 wonder, the good, the whatever, which is fine, but recognizing that for some people, that good news is not as good news as, as they seem to think and there may be some loss associated with that because we we because of the things we cling to that are not of God.
1: It's not as good newsy as
0: Right. And and it's because we cling to certain things that are not of God. Yeah. And, you know, when God gets rid of the things that are not of God and we're clinging to them, guess what? We experience loss and pain <laughs> because we have made that something that's important in our lives. Again, it gets to that kind of idolatry thing that, you know, God didn't really like um, for a reason, because it harms us. I guess, I guess that's the, you know, that, that's what it all comes down to is it's like, look, I don't, when I rip this away from you, you're going to feel pain. So maybe don't cling to it in the first place, and then you won't experience that.
1: Yeah, but who wants to follow those commandments or something?
0: Well, they're hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I mean, you're right. That's they're, a really they're both interesting easy point. and they're hard. That's, it,
1: that's, you're right. That's an interesting point. interesting point. We do it to ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we want, to, we want to blame God for things. And this is one of those things I always find interesting as well. I, I asked this question. There, there was some, I saw some online debate kind of going, you know, back and forth where someone's like, well, you're not a preacher of the gospel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so f- what exactly is good news for you? And, and the answer always is being saved from hell. And I'm like, so your view of God is such that you think God is somebody who hates you so much that they're going to throw you in a pit of fire to suffer forever unless you believe the right thing. Yep. And I'm like, I can't can't wrap my head around that view of, of God. Um, I see God as, hey, I want the best for you. I don't want you to, you know, my, my goal is not to punish. any It's like no parent who's a good parent wants to punish their child. That's, you know, it, it's not a, I get, you know, like I said, as long as they're a good parent, they're not a, an abusive parent, which there are abusive parents. So, you know, not saying this is, you know, that all, all parents, but from, from my perspective, a good parent is one who does not wish to have to do things to punish their kid for X, Y, and Z. It hurts me
1: more than it hurts you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't know about that. But, you know, to to be like, no, look, I don't want it. I don't want to have to do this. I really don't. But I have to stop this behavior because it's, it's destructive. It's destructive not only for yourself, but it's destructive for other people. So I need to do something to get you to stop doing that. And I guess that's the perspective I come at it with, with kind of the parental figure of God where it's like, no, God doesn't do these things because he just, you know, he wants to destroy us because we're bad and terrible. It's like, no, I just, I want you to not hurt people. I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to hurt people because these are the things, you know, in my kingdom, this is how things operate. And if you want to be part of that kingdom, guess what? Some of this stuff you're gonna to have to give up. And you're gonna have, it's gonna be stripped from you. And that's why in this life, trying to get as close to that as we can to me is a goal. So it's one of those, no, you're not saved by your works or whatever, but guess what? The more you align yourself with these things, the more you align yourself when when the time comes, you don't go through as much, oh, I've gotta let that go, because you've already let it go. Right. You you've already said, okay, bye-bye to that. Anyway, that's my whacked out theology for today. Cool. I'm not sure what this anymore has to do with Esther. We got off on who? Anti-Semitism and destroying Who? destroying the people and and, and, and somehow wound up <laughs> discussing discussing um, uh, the good the good news, which I guess is is maybe the way that sh- should work.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> somehow you get to the good news.
0: Somehow you get to the good news, and, and thinking about how. Um, You know, and Esther is also, it's a story of kind of waiting for the miraculous thing to happen, so to speak. The miraculous had to happen in a way that Esther had to take steps that put herself in danger and had to, you know, say, okay, I'm taking a chance. I can get killed for this, So, but I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And she was in a place in a position. One of the things I said in my sermon is, I said it's one thing to be in a position to do something; it's another to be in that position to do something and to not do it. Yeah. What good is being in that position if you don't actually do what you are there to possibly do? Yep. You know, Pharaoh's daughter didn't have to take that kid out of the river but she did use her position to save that life, which winds up saving lots of other people. Um, so, you know, that, that whole perhaps you have been, uh, you have come to this royal station um, for, for just such a time as this kind of thing where it's like, well, yeah, right place, right time, do the right thing. And makes me, though, reflect on how many people do we have in the right place at the right time not doing the right thing.
1: Two. Too many.
0: Yeah. It's like, wait, you're So you in thought a I was saying
1: the number two, T-W-O. <laughs> but I was T-O-O. Too many. Yeah. And, and in fairness, so one of the things I... I said at the commissioner's meeting yesterday, there was a discussion on affordable housing, was um, something to the effect of being in a position to make decisions is not easy. Right. It's hard. It is. And, when, and sometimes the right decision is not the popular decision.
0: Right. Well, and it, can, and, and it can cost you.
1: And that's really hard. And one of our commissioners is really taking on in our community um, and pushing this discussion around affordable-slash-workforce housing in our community, it is not a popular stance. Someone actually said to him, why are you taking this up? You know it's political suicide.
0: Right. It, it'll cost him his, cost him and votes. He said, cost him his job. And
1: he said, so be it. This is a worthwhile conversation that we need to have. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I commend him for that.
0: And that was sort of Esther's approach to it when she said, well, if I die, I die. Yep. You know, she's like, but this is the right thing to do. And if this is going to cost me my life, okay. I mean, that, that's, that's a hard decision to come to.
1: Yeah, very.
0: Um, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to make light of th- those. Those are definitely sacrifices that people are making that are hard sacrifices to make, especially when you spent your life working towards something and you're like, well, it can all go up in flames because I'm going to take a stand to do the right thing. And those are, that's, that's a hard thing to ask people to do. And yet at the same time, you know, I think Esther took one long look at what not doing the right thing was going to cost her. And ultimately, I think, she, <laughs> I think part of what Mordecai was trying to get at with her was like, look, don't think that you won't be a target as well. Don't think you're safe just because you happen to be the queen. Because guess yep. what? Queens can be dismissed. Look at Vashti. You can be replaced. So don't think your silence is going to protect you. And I think that's one of the things we have to look at, too, is we're afraid to say things because we think, and then we have to remember, though, guess what? Just because we're trying to protect ourselves, we may not ultimately be doing that. Right. You know, don't think we won't become part of whatever's going down just because at this moment in time, I have a position in a place that's not as affected. It doesn't mean it won't be in the future and if you don't do so if you don't do it for the least of these now guess what eventually it will come and affect you and I think we see that getting played out actually in our society in a way in in terms of okay so let's look at the affordable housing thing so you are someone who is coming here retiring you've bought your little too expensive home whatever you come here so that you can kind of enjoy certain luxuries, like restaurants, etc. Well, guess what? Those restaurants don't have people that can work them because they're not getting paid enough to live in this community you don't get to benefit from any of that. And now you're, you're running into shortages. You're running into all kinds of things. And then you're going to complain and be upset because you're not getting the things that you, you came here for.
1: It's the real world example of the importance of God's kingdom and the diversity of God's kingdom. Yeah. I mean, it really is.
0: And so, I mean, that's, that's just that, that reality. So anyway, all right, well, that's enough for that. Um, we will talk more about, probably more about that particular issue with the Isaiah text next week.
1: Uh, maybe. Who knows?
0: I know. Who knows what's going to come out? We'll see. <laughs> we go on tangents, in case you hadn't noticed. All right. Well, We'll <laughs> talk to you next week. Thanks, Bye, everybody. everybody. Bye-bye.